Hi everyone. Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by actor, teacher, and session director, Jonathan Runyon. I've had the joy of working with Jonathan both in the room and in the classroom. Working with Jonathan is a joy. Being an actor himself, he brings a level of compassion, understanding, and communication rarely found in the fast-paced world of commercials. Today, Jonathan shares his journey in the industry, as well as an extremely transparent conversation on gaining, losing, and maintaining representation. Jonathan also takes us through a day in the life as a session director and shares the rarely talked about behind the scenes of how commercials are cast. Please join me in welcoming Jonathan Rundin to the show. Hey Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, and it's nice to be here. Can you start us off with your journey into the industry as a whole? Yes. Um, I mean, I mean, starting all the way back, uh, like a lot of people, I was... I, in high school, I got very interested in performing and I was in doing all the plays and in, in, in drama club and stuff. Um, and then by my, by my senior year, I knew I wanted to, um, I grew up in a suburb of Atlanta, um, uh, before Atlanta was like Atlanta. third Hollywood. Um, there was not a lot there. Um, no Marvel studios, no Tyler Perry or anything like that. Um, so, um, I knew I wanted to, to get out to go train. So, I got into a theater conservatory in New York, um, the Stella Adler Theater Conservatory program, which is a two and a half year program, um, generally used for people. I mean, I guess most of the time people use it as kind of like a, almost like a grad program when, after you've done your four years. But I, uh, I got in right out of high school. So I went, um, super excited. Um, I actually moved to New York City like five days before 9-11, which isn't, isn't necessarily uh, have, have anything to do with my journey into the industry, but it, was, it didn't affect my experience in New York. Um, and then, yeah, I did conservatory and did some plays and then pretty quickly um, got into uh, another program that the school was running called Adler in L.A., which brought 15-ish, 20 kids that we had to audition to get in again, brought us out to LA, and we did like a summer intensive out here um, with um, a casting director who uh, was a great friend of the studio. Um, she's still casting, I think, and teaching, but uh, it's Deborah Aquila. Mm -hmm. And um, she was, you know, big casting directors in like the, that big 90s wave of indie films and things like that. And so... Um, she like famously discovered Edward Norton. So that was cool. Um, and, uh, and so we came out here and did it. And, and so a lot of my good friends got into the program as well. And we all just stayed. Um, yeah. Um, we did a showcase kind of like you do out of theater school. Some of us got reps, some of us didn't. Um, I think I actually didn't. And then uh, we stayed and got jobs and then started trying to get representation. And that was, 15 years ago um, now. And um, yeah, I guess for me, timing wise, I haven't thought about this in a while. I guess I moved here in 2004. I got my first um, professional acting job, I believe in 2006. Okay. Um, I was on, I had a tiny role on seventh heaven. So, uh, but I got put in SAG because of that job. I got what's called Taft Hartley, which can be confusing, but um, it's when you know, you're non-union talent and the production company agrees that you're the right person for the role and they have enough money, so they're gonna pay this fine 
to the union to use you, thus uh, making you SAG eligible, which is a big hurdle for people, you know? Um, and so I did that. And then, and then I started working um, in commercials as well. And um, from there, yeah, really have just been toggling between doing um, TV shows, commercials, not a ton of movies, but I have done some. So, yeah. Now, you obviously have an extensive experience behind the camera as a session director and then also a teacher, but coming from that place of the conservatory in New York and on the summer program, how did you get your foot in the door before having that insight that you do now? Like with finding your first agent, um, yes. finding uh, your way into getting that seventh heaven, Taft-Hartley, um, that yeah. elusive gold ring. <laughs> it is. Looking back on it now, I don't think I realized at the time um, how kind of lucky I was that that happened for me relatively quickly. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, when you come out of theater school, you just think, well, that's what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to progress a little bit. Um, um, so anyway, what I did was I got one meeting out of my um, LA showcase and I went on it and I just, it was like really deep in the valley uh, at someone's, it was someone's office slash house. Oh. And, you know, I was so excited. I was a manager. I was so excited about that. And I was sure before I went into the meeting, I was like, well, I'm just going to do everything I can to get signed by a manager because that's what you need. And um, after the meeting, I was like, no, I don't think I want to be with this person. Um, this doesn't seem super legit. So um, I did what a lot of people do. Uh, I, I got headshots. Um, I wrote a um, short, succinct, witty sort of, I tried to put as much humor into it as I could because they said, show your personality, like cover letter yeah. and bought a whole bunch of stamps and did reproductions when that was still a thing. And I sent out, I don't know, I probably did, um, you know, I went to Samuel French, the bookstore, got the manager lists and the agency lists. And I, I don't know, I sent out, gosh, maybe it was between 100 and 200 to agents and managers and stuff, just sent it out. And actually got, they say if you get like 10% feedback, I think that's something successful is what they say. So um, I don't remember if I got exactly 10, but I got at least three or four meetings out of it. And yeah. one of the meetings I got was with a manager that was with a, a, a good reputable management company um, at the time that was called Flutie Entertainment. And they were by Coastal. I knew that they were in New York and they were out here. And I met with this manager. Um, his name is Paul Brown and we had a meeting and, um, you know, it was like, he, he, I think he liked me. I, I really liked him. The offices were so nice. They were in Beverly Hills. I was like, so thrilled. Um, but wisely, you know, he, I remember, I think he famously said to me, like, you, you can't sign the band until you hear the music. And I thought that that was, um, really cool. Um, so he yeah. said, I want you to go home and I want you to find two scenes from real TV shows or movies, okay? No theater, can't do like a checkoff monologue or anything like that, like. Um, no Shakespeare. Uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> two roles that you think you could do right now, um, and I want you to put them on tape, have someone read with you. Basically, it was just really rough, um, like, um, it was just really rough, like, self-tape footage, which was not a thing back then. Um, um, super relevant now, obviously, but yeah, and I think I hung like a black sheet on my wall 
and I set up a video camera when it was still like the little mini, mini DVs. Oh, and you put them in the camera. This is probably way before your time. But um, so I recorded it. And I think I remember doing, this is also going to age me a lot. I remember doing like something from, um, oh, I don't remember what the dramatic one was. But it was, I remember the sitcom-y kind of thing that I did. The comedic thing that I did was I did a scene from uh, Family Ties playing Alex P. Keaton. Um, okay. which was Michael J. Fox, the mm-hmm. role that made him famous. Um, and I remember doing that. And so I literally took, so many DVs would fit into cassette tapes. You would, oh, wow. the cassette tape shell would be the adapter and you'd fit the mini DV into it, whatever. So I literally put that in a manila envelope, yes. which I thought was so profesh at the time. Oh. And I personally dropped it off at the front desk at the, at the management office. And, um, yeah, so I dropped off a VHS. That's how old I, I am. <laughs> I mean, in, in hindsight, DVDs were, would probably have been a much slicker way to do it. And I, I could have done it, but I didn't know how to do it myself. And I wanted to get it back to him as fast as I could. So I literally dropped that off. Yeah. And he said he watched it with his partner and a couple of the other managers there. And he called me up and he said, um, you know, we want to sign you. We want to work with you. Amazing. Um, yeah. And so that was really cool. Um, he is still my manager. No um, yeah, for a long time. He has, he's moved companies uh-huh. um, two, three times now. Okay. Um, um, there, he's always moved companies that are by coastal though, which has always been kind of cool. Um, yeah. And um, he actually has relocated now back to New York to be closer to family. Yeah. Um, but he's still my manager and he's always sort of uh, what they call kind of taken me with him when he's moved. Yeah. And they allow managers to take whatever portion of their roster they want with them. So that's always felt nice that Absolutely. He, um, not enough of me, but that's where it started. And then, you know, um, I started auditioning for real and, um, let me think, gosh, uh, yeah. Auditioned for a year or so. Um, I think I got some good feedback and, you know, uh, uh, whatever, but uh, yeah, then eventually ended up getting a role on Seventh Heaven when it was in its last season, and um, that was the first time I got like a script sent to me, and I got like a call sheet emailed to me, and I had to go on set and find the a PA and figure out where your trailer was, and so so it was it was it was the most fun like on the job training. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's such a an example of you only need one person to say yes. And that one person that you clicked with and they clicked with you has, you guys have worked together your whole career and, you know, the foreseeable many years to come. That's amazing. Yeah. It's unfortunate that, um, I mean, it's just the way it is. It is unfortunate the amount of no's we have to mm-hmm. endure to get to the yeses. Um, but you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it only, you know, the difference between feeling like it'll never happen uh-huh. and you're just, what am I doing? And you're just traveling along and am I going down the right road and you know, whatever. And having a, the career of your dreams is like a couple of yeses. So that's always encouraging. And I always remind myself that, you know, and it's a lesson that even though I've been doing it 15 years, it's a lesson that I have to relearn all the time. Um, yeah. I'll be kind of feeling down in the dumps or whatever. And then, you know, on a Monday, 
I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, man, whatever. And then on Friday, you're on set shooting something. Exactly. And, and you're, you know, in the makeup trailer being like, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> exactly. What was I thinking on Monday? Like, if you're even you. remembering that doubt. Like sometimes it's just so far from your mind because you're just riding yeah. it. And there are like unexplainable peaks and valleys. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is. There's rhythms and everything. It happens theatrically. It certainly happens commercially yeah. where sometimes you can get into a mode where I don't, there's just something kinetic energy about you when you go into callback rooms that people are just interested in you. It's just, something's happening. And then you go through those, you know, those valleys where you feel like you're, you're not really, um, nothing's fitting right. You're not really nailing it the way you want to. And, um, you just kind of have to ride those out. But the, the, the way I got into commercials from that manager actually was, um, after I started booking stuff a little bit theatrically, he hooked me up with a meeting with a commercial department. And I looked so young because I was like 22, 23 playing like, you know, people in high school, um, yeah. 15, 16 year olds. Um, so he hooked me up with actually the youth department okay. of a big commercial agency called CESD. And I took a meeting with this woman who I think is still the head of the youth department there, Carolyn Shear. Um, and then I started auditioning for commercials and I think it was maybe a year or so. And I got my first commercial and it was a Jack in the box commercial, nice. um, which was cool. And um, uh, I had to pump gas at a, at, at a gas station next to Jack, you know, the guy with the big, he has the big Jack head and then just a normal regular middle-aged man body. Yeah. So <laughs> That was how I got into the commercial world. Yeah. Now, yeah. having, just like you were saying, I think every actor can relate that there are times where you're only going out for like certain types of roles, be it commercial yes. or theatrically, and you really want to be doing something else, but like these are the auditions mm -hmm. you're getting and maybe mm -hmm. you're not in it. Or, you know, maybe it's really quiet or maybe it's so hot, it's almost hard to stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. How have you found a successful way to communicate with your manager when it, it's not at the tempo that you want your career to be going and how have you found that acceptance to ride it out and stay um, positive towards your career? That is a fantastic question. Um, man, that's a really good question. I mean, <clears throat> if I'm being honest, the short answer is I feel probably like every actor that I don't necessarily know that I've always found the right way to do that. It's never felt that way to me, but I will say one of the things I've always tried to do because I've, I've had friends, close friends yeah. um, and even teachers and people who have big careers uh, when discussing representation and communication with them, uh -huh they'll say the thing about like, yeah, man, I just got on the phone with my manager and let him have it or, or, or I've sent an email and said, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm not saying that that's not um, productive. I yeah. do think though, that's not useful advice for people starting out or people who are really trying to get more auditions and more activities. Yeah. Um, beyond just a personality or someone with the, you know, kind of, um, uh, I don't know, confidence or bravery or arrogance maybe to do something like that. Yeah. 
comes a certain amount of career leverage, meaning like, you know, when you first start out, you're just so happy to have a manager. You're just so happy to have an agent that like, they can say like, do this, do that, you know, and you're pretty much going to, you know, they're going to say jump and you're going to say how high. And for the most part, I, I think for people just starting out and people trying to break in or whatever, that's a good thing. Um, the older you get, the longer you're in the business, the more that doesn't go away, but you're, you know, you know yourself better. You You have a lot more knowledge. So whatever. So what I've always tried to do when communicating with my manager is always send that email which you're, I'm glad I did this because you're reminding me, I need to email him. Um, um, but um, is to always email and say, um, you know, make it about like what you've been up to, what you're doing and make it about like what, um, I just want to hit you up. I know, you know, know you're busy, you know, whatever. What, um, just want to get your thoughts on what could I be doing to maybe uh, generate um, some more appointments? Yeah. To be busier, make it, um, you know, and I, I remember sending my manager an email and saying that kind of stuff. And then at the very last line saying like, you know, um, I I just want to say that I do, I really appreciate all the work you do on my behalf, you know, and the, the appointments that you get me. And I'll never forget. He emailed me back and said, you know, you are so cool for sending this email. Um, because you know, like everybody, we think about it from the actor's point of view. Uh-huh. And my manager never calls me. They never email any appointments, whatever. And then, but then there is their thing. They know how competitive it is to get you into rooms. They're, you know, we don't know how many, how often they're firing off emails or picking up the telephone on our behalf and it doesn't work out. I don't think a lot of them, at least not in my experience, have been comfortable calling you and going like, I pitched you seven times this week and we didn't get a single audition. That would almost be counterproductive, you know, but for us, you know, no word from them is, you know, uh, always seems like bad news or like we're being forgotten or whatever. Not that sometimes that isn't the case, but in my experience, the most productive emails and contacts you can send is just, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking this class. I'm taking this workshop. I'm, I just got these new headshots. You know, you want to definitely narrow it down maybe before you send it to them, but like, you know, send them a sheet of 20 pictures, you know, off the top of your head, which ones do you like the best? I want to get these up. I want to get, I want to, you know, update my actor's access or my LA casting or, um, or, or whatever. Um, and then I just want to know what I can be doing. What do you think I can be doing to, you know, increase activity and stuff like that and make it about, you know, what you can be doing because it's a very tricky, very careful thing to want to talk to your reps and say, um, you know, what, what are you doing? What are, what, what, you know, that, that's a, that's a hard thing. And in my experience, agents and managers, are very sensitive about that. Really? Um, <clears throat> I will, for your listeners, tell a story. Yes. Just quickly, um, I had these theatrical, and I've gone through several different theatrical agents over this 15 years. Um, and um, I've always had the same manager, which has been nice. The consistency has been great. Um, I had the same commercial um agent for 12 years, 13 years. And then about a year and a half ago actually did make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, which was, it was a tough phone call, but, um, but I will say this. I once emailed an agent very nicely and, and said, Hey guys, just want to hit you up. Um, here's what I've been doing. I put together like a new reel. I always try to 
you know, throw something productive that I'm doing out there. And I said, um, I just want to check in because it had, it's been like three months since my last theatrical audition. Um, and I booked the last two theatrical auditions you sent me. Wow. Um, and I did not say it. Now, you, everyone knows with text and email, this is one of the reasons that social media is tough. Yeah, there's no tone. Is, is the, I, what, I don't know what it is about the human brain. Like we just read tone into emails. Now, I wish I could go back and find that email, but I've, I'm always very careful to put words in there to soften things up. Yeah. Um, it's been three, something about the fact that it, it's been three months since my last appointment. Um, and I'm just anxious to get out there again because I booked the last two things you sent me out on. So I, I you know, at least in the, this quarter or this year, I've been booking a hundred percent of the things you've been sending me out for. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get an email back that day, okay. which was rare. Usually they'd be like, totally, you know, whatever. Um, didn't get an email back that day. Got a phone call that night from them. Hey, Jonathan, it's such and such. Um, we got your email and you know, you're right. We have not been very good agents for you. So I, I think it's best for definitely for you and, you know, for us that we just at this point, you know, cut ties and uh, whatever. So they did drop me because I sent an email asking about activity. Um, wow. I don't want that story to scare the people who listen because I want to point out that, you know, if you're with reps that, you know, aren't, I mean, and by the way, no one goes out as much as they want. So saying I'm not going out as much as I want, no one goes out as much as they want, but, but there is like, if you're getting no at bats, no opportunities yeah. or whatever, and those, which was, which was the case with these people yeah. and you, and I send a nice productive email and they decide to part ways. I know it sucks to have that feeling of like, I don't have an agent right now knowing how hard it is to get one, uh -huh. but you know, subtracting nothing from nothing is nothing like, yeah. you know, just having an agent to put on the back of your headshot or put on LA casting or put on actors access. That's not getting you any appointments. Well, your, your time is better served out there hustling and trying to get someone who will work for you. So, um, you know, you will, if you stay in it long enough and you network and you, I don't know how, maybe you can tell me, I don't know exactly how, I think people still do mailings occasionally. Um, occasionally yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely moved a lot more to either, um, forms on the agency's website or emails uh -huh. through IMDb yeah. Pro. It's, it's definitely gotten a lot more digital because everybody's trying to be eco-friendly and obviously right now no one's at offices until you can get them. And I was always, I, I was, I've stapled enough resumes to the back of headshots for a lifetime. So I'm, the, the fact that it's eco-friendly is such an amazing bonus because I never, I never loved it. Um, but, but yeah, no. So that, that could happen too. You know, yeah. you could point out that you've been doing your job as promised literally to the best of your ability, you, you booking the jobs, uh, making them commission and they really haven't been pulling their weight and they might think, you know what? We don't know. We actually know now that we don't really know exactly how to pitch this person, this actor. Yeah. So, so it's a easy, it's easier for us to cut them from the roster and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. and no actor, even if you, even if the story was that I took the initiative to say, listen guys, let's part ways. Cause it's been too long. Anybody listening to this that really feels like they should drop their representation because it it's just been 
way too long in between appointments or something. Um, if you're sort of a sensitive people person like I am, that is like the worst thing you can do, imagine doing. Um, and the agony it puts you through before you actually send the email or make the phone call is way worse than the actual event, of course. Oh, absolutely. Um, but no one should ever feel bad about that. Yeah. Not just because you're trying to take more ownership over your own career and spend time working to find that person that will not only say yes, but really get some stuff, really get you into some rooms and get you some self-tape appointments or whatever. It's because if you think about how many agents and managers drop actors every week, every month with no real, it doesn't ruin their weekend. No. They, they call you and go, listen, you haven't been getting called back. You haven't, we can't really get any traction with you. Unfortunately, we're going to have to part ways. So yeah, I always get the sense they, they hang up the phone and they're like, okay, who's next on the list? You know? <laughs> I feel that way. Yeah. I, I have, I have been let go and I have also parted ways and you're right. If you're, if you're a sensitive person, I think it hurts the creative a lot more because I think you feel like you fell back down to square one. And uh, my acting teacher one time said, he's like, you just fell to the most recent base camp. That's, that's as far as you fell down, if at all. And you just got to pick yourself back up and keep going. And it's very much like relationships. You don't want to be in a bad relationship. If they don't understand and celebrate who you are, especially in this modern day of entertainment where there is a voice and an opportunity for pretty much everyone, yeah, not the person for you. That's very true. It's very true. It's right. You, it doesn't knock you <clears throat> just because you get dropped or you leave um, for good reasons. Um, it doesn't take away all of your time, effort, experience, um, knowledge about the business. So I think your acting teacher is very right. It's just, you're just back on a base camp. You're not on the same platform that you landed on when you first tried to break into this business. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Being repped is not the end all be all necessarily. Um, you are currently a session director at Allison Horn. How did that opportunity come about? And I know we're going to be like skipping numerous years and stages of your career, but how did that uh, opportunity start? Um, yeah. So like every other actor almost out there, when I tell you these stories about how I was on this TV show and I got on this TV show, whatever, we're talking crazy, overnight success. Yes, exactly. Um, we're talking about primarily, um, co-star roles. Um, I had some reoccurring co-stars, which was really a fun experience. I mean, uh, uh working on a TV show. Um, as a character that that pops up in different episodes is is a really wonderful experience um, uh, because even though episode to episode the director is different, which totally you find out changes the vibe of the set yeah. um, and the more seasons into a show you are, you know like I did the last season of West Wing, I did. Um, like one of the last seasons of Bones and Castle and stuff like that, they are just well-oiled machines. Your day is going to go a lot faster, despite the director. But I'm talking co-star roles, reoccurring co-star roles, uh, um, some larger guest starring roles. But the bottom line is, as anyone knows who's booked in these jobs, this is not enough money to live in Los Angeles. So like everybody else, I was always having side jobs. I waited tables in New York. Um, in, um, in, a, in a couple of different restaurants. So when I moved out here, that was what I did. Yeah. Um, I was working in Malibu for a time at a restaurant. 
which at first was really cool because my drive to work was on the PCH. Um, say, depending on where you lived, though, that is a heck of a commute in LA. I lived in the Valley, so it wasn't easy. Um, uh, but yeah, but the drive, even on the PCH, got real old. Um, and um, so I was waiting tables. I And then eventually I landed in a restaurant that was in Beverly Hills. That's no longer there. And that was my gig. I was, I, I remember even having to wait tables and get someone to come in and cover like an hour of my shift so I could quickly jump over to the Fox lot in Century City to like audition for Modern Family and then come back and rework my section. And, and I did that for, I was a, a server and then eventually a restaurant manager for like 10 years or a little over. Wow. Um, I stopped doing that to um, help Stella Adler start the LA branch of their school. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being, it's, at first it was just sort of a passion project and then that ended up being a paid administrative position. Okay. I did that for a couple years, we built up a space. Um, they started bringing faculty and administration out from New York. And after a couple years when the, when the school was really on its feet, yeah. um, I decided that I wanted to leave because it wasn't offering me as much flexibility um, to, even though I was in an acting school, offered me a, a, enough flexibility to kind of focus on my own career. And we all have that feeling, you know, that, that lack of flexibility and what we have to do for our survival jobs and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I, had, I was auditioning for commercials. I was booking them, not a ton. Um, I was probably booking like a commercial a year, maybe on average for a while when I was working these other jobs. And Allison Horn casting office was the office that just so happened. Uh, I booked out of the most, Okay. you know, um, <clears throat> and would call me in a lot for things. And I, you know, um, and I had always, I had become friends with and always really enjoyed going into commercial casting sessions, especially first calls where there's no director, there's no producers eating, there's no any of that stuff. And I always just remember thinking that the people that ran the camera that gave me the directions um, were so cool, yeah. so funny, so kind of whatever. I just remember thinking like, how do you do that job? Like, cause yeah. there, cause I see, cause like everybody else, when you see session directors, you go like, I, that guy books commercials. Absolutely. That guy's in commercials all the time. I saw that guy, you know, whatever, like this seems to be like a great, and I didn't know anything about the money or whatever. Yeah. I just knew that that's kind of all they did. So one day, um, so I'd left the acting school to go back to the restaurant in Beverly Hills for a three, four week schedule to have more flexibility. Then the restaurant started shutting down. So I kind of, I, for the very first time in LA was like really whatever. I knew I didn't really want to do the service industry anymore. Um, um, and so I went to Allison Horn, um, uh, the offices. I just went in person. Oh, wow. And I just asked the office. They were like, Jonathan, do you have an audition today? Like, we don't remember scheduling you for anything. And I was like, <laughs> I remember being like, am I right for anything today? Or I'm not crashing, but I'm here. Um, I remember, and I just said, no, I just said, I would love to be, I, I want to know how to do the, the session directing. And long story long, I started training with um, one of their top session directors there at the time, a guy named Mark, Mark Jawaid. And he is now a commercial director, directs commercials. And yeah, um, that, that you'll find that sort of half and half world with commercial casting session directors. They're either 
directors or they're actors or, or some of them are both. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> but that sort of seems to be the skill set. And I trained for, gosh, at least three months, um, you know, uh, unpaid. I think Mark occasionally would throw me money because when I started really doing most, most of the heavy lifting of the session, um, I was totally um, new to the technology, the, the, the software, yeah. definitely the muscle memory it takes to work the camera, to zoom in on you guys, to, to, to zoom out, to follow action, to, to kind of develop that sixth sense on where motion's coming from or whatever. It took, that took me the longest, that, the technical aspect. Mm-hmm. Directing actors, um, comedic timing, that sort of came more naturally to me just because I'd, I'd been an actor for so long. Um, and that's still my favorite part interacting with you guys, giving you direction. And then the lovely thing is like, when you start to know actors, like I, I know you or know your work. Yeah. When I see you on my schedule and I read the script and I know what they want, I can almost see your audition in my head, you know? And, and if you come in and just totally surprise me, great. If you come in and I'm like, I know you've got a better take than that. Here's a little thing you could try. Yeah. It's so rewarding to me. And I, I'm so entertained by watching, um, all of the talent that, that I get to see. But that's it. I trained. They said, listen, Jonathan, you're pretty good. We could give you maybe one session a week. That really wasn't going to help me pay the bills. Uh-huh. And so they said, but you seem pretty um, good on the phone and organized. So what they had me do before there was any room for me to run sessions, because they had their three, four, five guys that they were hiring all the time. Every office does. Yeah. Um, uh, they said, do you want to work up in the office? Okay. And so I worked up in the office coordinating auditions and navigating through LA casting and answering phones and stuff for a year. Okay. And then the birth of my daughter, my first child coincided with, I don't remember the circumstances, but a, a, a few of the session directors moved on. Some of them got directing jobs and whatever they moved on. Mm-hmm. So then I moved downstairs and, and started session directing full time. Okay. And I don't know, after about, um, I want to say like a year of being nervous every day. Every time I set up my camera, I was worried I wasn't going to record something or there wasn't going to be sound or my direction was going to be off. Um, By the way, all of those things have happened. Um, You know, we all make mistakes and there's a lot of moving parts to it. And, you know, back pre COVID, I was seeing hundred plus actors a day and, you know, stuff like that. So um, all that stuff happened, but you build confidence like anything else. I don't even think about the camera necessarily anymore. I don't even think about the, the uploading software and that kind of thing. I just kind of get to focus on the directing and the, and, um, and, and having fun with you guys and making sure I'm helping you guys to put your best foot forward. Yeah. Well, again, that might mean giving you a button that might mean bringing you down, yeah. keeping you more grounded. Um, maybe encouraging you to go nuts with this, depending on the job and the product. Um, but that's how I got into it. And then I, I kind of became Allison's sort of number one uh, cam up. Um, that, sound, that sounds like very like conceited or braggadocious maybe. But I, anyone who knows casting offices knows like every office that you go into usually has one or two of their, the people that if they have a job, that job's going to go to that person, you know, first or whatever. So um it just means that it doesn't mean that I'm the best. It just means that I, I, I work the most often in, in, yeah. in, in her office. So, <clears throat> cause there was a lot of awesome, funny, 
super intelligent um, session directors. Um, and so that's, that's how I got started. And that is really when I started taking my own commercial career mm-hmm. more seriously. Yeah. And, you know, I was lucky because I was getting paid to act and direct all day long, which kept me really sharp because if anyone who has kids knows, like, you know, even acting, once you have kids, you know, I haven't done a play since I've had children because, you know, um, you know, you can't do as much for free anymore. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, but I get to act every day. It keeps me sharp, whatever. And then, yeah. And then shortly, a couple of years after running sessions or whatever, that's sort of when, um, the, the, the next component of that came in, which Allie wanted to start doing. Amazing. Now, for actors, you know, sometimes we're getting a little bit of an outline of the spot before we, you know, even come to the office. Sometimes it's just on the boards. But as the session runner, I know I've been in sessions before where they're like, well, the director really likes, you know, to see your personality. Or like, you guys are giving us a lot of information, a lot of really valuable information if we're just present mm-hmm. enough to listen to it and absorb it what is the process for the session director before the actors come into the room? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, so, I mean, as much as the behind the scenes as you can share. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, so I think, uh, most helpful to talk about when you come in, let's say I'm hired on a Monday and okay, Jonathan, you're going to be working the, this is just an example, the Ford job on Monday. You're 9.30 for 10. They always schedule you to come in a half an hour before your, uh, your session starts. Uh, and I'm talking now about when you're running a first call, not a callback. Callbacks can be different and a lot of different stuff. You, most casting offices um, start casting, uh, meaning your fir- the first appointment will be at 10 a.m. So you get in at 9.30. Sometimes if the script is really big, or the director is very specific in their, in, in their direction or their treatments or whatever, um, you'll, um, someone from Ali's office or Ross's office will send me the script ahead of time and just say, take a look at this just so you can get your head around it. You're going to be doing a lot off camera that day. Not always though. Um, so what you do is you come in, you've got a, a folder with the scripts you're doing that day in it and what studio you're going to be in. Okay, you know, here you are. It's 930. I'm going to be in studio three. Time to go get the key, unlock the studio, turn the lights on, turn the camera on, um, uh, fire up um, LA Casting and uh, LA Casting's recording software, which is called Fast Capture. Mm-hmm. Um, most offices use LA Casting and Fast Capture. Some offices, primarily on the west side, people will notice use Casting Frontier. Yeah. Um, they're very similar. Uh, I, however, don't have any information about Casting Frontier. Um, I have an account as an actor, but I've never run a session through Casting Frontier. A lot of my friends have, um, especially if they work um, over on the you know west of Sepulveda offices. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's not. A, I don't know why it seems to be more of the offices. It really does seem to be like four or five. Yeah. At the um, same little area that are all It's with weird it. that the geography seems to match up. But I don't know that that has anything to do with it or any relevance, but. <laughs> Anyway, I come in and usually my packet contains what's called a director's treatment. Okay. So for those who don't know, directors audition for jobs too, yeah. just like we do. Um, most of them. Um, and so an ad agency on behalf of a brand, mm-hmm. 
will construct a spot. That ad agency um, will fire off the specs of the spot and the scripts. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how many directors are in the mix. I get the sense that it's like not nearly as many as actors. It's not yeah. 1,600. It's, you know, um, 3,000. It's not, it's, you know, um, it's maybe four or five or something. Those directors that are under the umbrella of different production companies, like production companies have a stable of directors, you know, um, <clears throat> again, not nearly as many as talent agencies <laughs> uh, as actors, but that, that's what it is. So on behalf of that production company, they'll write up a treatment, which is essentially um, when it's printed out, it looks like a, like a PowerPoint, like a lookbook, yeah. you know, um, it's a mixture of text images and they basically throw out their vision. They're usually about 20, 30 pages long. Mm -hmm. And some of the pages, you know, it's not all text. It's mainly, you know, it's a visual medium. So it's a lot of visualizations, pictures that they're using as examples. Um, and in it, it's their vision of how they would like to direct this commercial. It's yeah. their pitch. So that's all. And, and a lot of the times they have, um, uh, alterations they've made to the script. What if we tried this at the end? What if we tried that at the end? Right? So that treatment is usually included in my packet and it's sort of my job to read through the treatment. Um, I've read through so many, most of them, I mean, some of them are so creative and commercial directors <clears throat> who, you know, most commercial directors aren't just commercial directors. They direct all of our favorite half hours, um, films, uh, you know, um, more alternative stuff, music videos and everything. So like actors, they bounce from medium to medium, but um, um, yeah, so you read through that. A lot of the times there will have been correspondence a lot via email or conference call with the director and the ad agency and the casting office. Hey, we really think it's important that the mom in this spot not come off like too sentimental and sweet. We need, she needs to really have her hands full. So we don't want to, you know, make sure that that happens. So all of the information from the ad agency, from the client, meaning the brand Ford is my, in my example, and the director's vision funnels through the casting office that I'm working for that day. And they're going to give me all the relevant information I need. Then, you know, let's assume we're doing a, the role for Ford and it's a, <clears throat> a husband and wife shopping for a car. Yeah. And you're my first, I see Laura on my schedule and role of wife. And there's a, you know, Jason, somebody comes in. He's the first husband. You're both scheduled at 10 a.m. You're my first group. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to look over the script in the lobby. If it's a big script and the office is very nice and they're actor friendly, which our offices are, you probably will have gotten it ahead of time. Yeah. If it's, if you each have five lines, or, or something, um, you know, you're going to get it in the lobby, whatever you're going to get ready. And when I run the first group, knowing all the information I have, I usually set it up the way that I think it could go. Yeah. Um, and then Allison will come downstairs. I will have rehearsed a couple with you guys just to make sure, you know, there's a board in there, but make sure you're, you're, you're really, uh, have a decent amount of ownership over your roles and your cues and whatever. Cause I'm figuring it out too. Yeah. So my first explanation to my first actors in, at 10 a.m. is not the same thing I'm saying by 11 a.m. Uh, you know, I've figured it out a little bit more. And Allie will come in and sometimes she likes what I've set up. Sometimes it's not, it's not what she was thinking at all. Um, 
sometimes that she'll watch the rehearsal that maybe I recorded just as an example and love it. Sometimes she's like, no, 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 this is not the right tone. <clears throat> and we'll just do a lot of takes um, and we'll kind of figure it out. And from there, based on those roles, we will establish sort of where actors can play around and yeah. be themselves, show their personality, be unique, where they can change it. And then maybe some stuff that absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, has to happen, has to be executed in every group. Because we don't want every audition to look the same. I'm not trying to direct every actor that come in, comes into um, uh, for the role of wife or husband or whatever, the exact same. You know, I, I, um, you're, we're all different and bring different things to it. So that's basically how the day progresses. And then that will, you know, it's not as if, most days I don't just cast one script or something. Uh-huh. Or we'll have three or four scripts. And so I'll do husband and wife from 10 a.m. to noon. Uh-huh. From noon to one, I'll start um, with uh, uncle and aunt. Usually lunches from one to two. That might be good for everyone to hear. Um, if you just show up at the office early or late or whatever, and it's one to two, unless it's a callback. And again, that callback could be any time. Um, but one to two is generally when the commercial casting world takes its hour-long break for lunch. So. Just a little tip for when things get back to normal. But um, uh, yeah, and then, you know, then maybe in the afternoon it's kids and that's a little different thing. So with each new setup, with each new script, with each new role, we have a powwow usually in person with the casting director. They'll set the tone, give us some notes. And then it's my job to just sort of, it's just a, a, um, an echo game for the rest of the day. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so important because oftentimes actors are so busy thinking about their audition and their side job and this other audition and all of these different things that they don't stop and think about all of the stresses and balls that you guys are juggling. And mm-hmm. just because it's more convenient for the actor to come in at say 2.30 versus 11.30, you guys are gonna be seeing kids in the afternoon. Like it's not something where you guys are consistently seeing all roles all afternoon. It's yeah. laser focused for this like section. And I think that's one thing that I, I hope that people learn from the podcast because we, we do talk about it quite a bit. It's just like being respectful of everyone's time. It's not just about the one in front of the camera. There is way more people behind the camera um, that have scheduling yeah. issues <laughs> than just us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah, and you know, I um, um, I appreciate you saying that. That's very nice. And I and I really do feel lucky. And I know that my, every myself and everyone who's in my position that gets to work as a performer and work behind the camera feels very lucky to have that kind of, um, that, that kind of, um, bird's eye sort of, or from both sides, uh, view, if you will. And, you know, when you're, if you're just auditioning for commercials or theatrical, I think you only need to, um, think about what's going on on the other side to the extent that you just have that level of respect in terms of, being on time, being ready, being prepared, because, um, you know, I wouldn't want you to be focusing on my morning or, 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 um, how the schedule's going or my day. That's, that's for me to deal with and worry about. Um, I want you, I want you really, um, spending the extra couple of minutes in the lobby, focusing on the script and what you can do with it and not doing too much with it and all the fun things that we, that, that we have to do. But, um, yeah, I will say, <clears throat> this is something that came straight from Allie. Um, 
I mean, obviously self-taping was not a big part of the commercial world um, uh, pre-March. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly will be now. I don't know to what extent. Um, not all roles are going to go into the office. So that offers a- a- actors an opportunity, hopefully, that have to bob and weave through the, uh, the, through the facts of life, meaning, that, you know, how are you going to escape your office job for an hour? How are you going to, um, you know, get out of the restaurant job or the tutoring or whatever you might need to do? Um, <clears throat> it allows you to, okay, well, you have a whole day to submit a tape. So, you know, if you need to do it at, eight o'clock at night, you do it at eight o'clock at night. As long as it's in by the morning, that offers us a lot more flexibility. On the flip side, the appointments that do start going out that are in person, Mm -hmm. um, I think gone at least for uh, the foreseeable future is the days where I see a hundred plus people a day and you're, you're in packed lobbies um, waiting and stuff like that. That's probably not coming back for some time. Um, We'll probably be doing one person every 15, 20 minutes, whatever. So for those, when auditions do go back to being um, slightly uh, in person, in the physical world, um, I think it's going to be even more important for actors to show up on their time. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can be, you know, it might literally end up being a safety hazard if you're 40 minutes late for your audition <laughs> or you're, or you're, you know, you're trying to get in an hour and a half, two hours early, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So <clears throat> but I don't want to scare people cause I can't say for certain, but that's what Allie said to me recently on a zoom call. So, yeah, no, I've heard that from a couple of people that they projected that it would be at least 80% would be tape for the, the first audition or zoom. And like there's mm-hmm. 15 to 20% that's going to be brought into the offices just for safety on everybody's front. Now having gosh, over the years seen, is it safe to say thousands of actors audition? Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had schedules, I've had schedules where we're doing this crazy spot and it's dancers or something. And I'm seeing five dancers in every group and I'll have 50 some groups. I've seen like 200 and plus people in a day. Dance auditions are a real fun one. That's, we can spend an hour talking about just dance auditions. <laughs> um, Cause that's where I grew up in. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely thousands. <laughs> okay. What are some of the very common, but easily avoidable mistakes you see people make in the room? things that oftentimes will cost them the callback awesome. or being a, a positive impression on the office. Well, I should say, you know, um, that's a, that's a better way to say it, a positive impression on the office. Cause that's really <clears throat> what you're doing. I mean, yeah. are you talking about just in the, you're well, of course, cause I don't work in the theatrical world in the casting yeah, side. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's, in, it's important to say, I say to my classes all the time, it's important to realize that, um, we're lucky for every opportunity we get just because of the numbers, because of the, the number of people submitted. Um, it's something like, you know, 3000 crazy for each role. And that is agency submissions. That's not including stuff you're submitting yourself for through LA, through LA casting and stuff. Yeah. So knowing that it's, it's like you might be going in for where you're playing a giant ketchup bottle and you don't say anything and you're like, why am I doing the, you know, whatever. But it's important to realize you are auditioning for the office every time. Um, the, the two entities that get to decide, that decide whether or not you get called back. And and a lot of people don't know this. It is not Alison Horn and Ross Lacey or Kathy Knowles or Jacob from spot casting. It's not that once, once you've been given your first call audition, the casting directors have done all they can for you. 
Um, that's pretty much it. So the two entities that get to decide are the director. At the end of the day, when I fire off your the <clears throat> the link is what we call it for the day, um, and they get to watch all the groups and all the people and all your auditions. Um, uh, the director gets that and the ad agency gets it. Um, and so that's, you know, that's who you're trying to do. So who knows exactly when you're in the room, I mean, I'm going to try to do everything the ad agency said and do everything the director said and direct you that way and help you out in that way. Okay. The one way you can make a good impression on the office, you know, um, is I would just tell people just, um, just have your, just have your head wrapped around the spot a little more than people do on average. You know, um, I tell my classes all the time, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and everybody's guilty of this, myself included. So I know is when we call you in for that group explanation and that's a very common thing. Some roles don't have explanations for whatever reasons, their interviews, their, there's something about, they're just a look or something like that. But most of them do. Most of them have things that I give you to execute, where to enter, where to exit. Um, you're sitting, you're standing, uh, you have to stay here the whole time or you can move or whatever, is to listen to that explanation. Because um, I try my best and to my detriment, usually on my schedule, over-explain things. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure I put in a fair amount of irrelevant things just because I love talking to people so much. <clears throat> And, um, but, um, really listening to that explanation, because what most people do, again, I'm guilty of it. You'll hear what your role is supposed to do mm -hmm. when you're auditioning for, and then in your head, my voice becomes like, while you're doing the audition in your head, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to come in and do this. And you're missing the part where I say, and this is where you need to exit, or this is where you need to take a bite of the burger, or this is the whatever. <clears throat> and um, it does it, it makes it so that when it's, when it's your turn and you go into the room, we have to spend more time on correction and not direction. Um, yeah. Instead of me saying like, that was an awesome take. You nailed it. Do this one for fun. Maybe try this. Let's do this. You know, and then I'm having to go, all right, Laura. So um, you um, didn't know any of your lines and you're looking at the board the whole time and I can tell, and so will they. Yeah. Not sure what we can do about that in the next four minutes. Um, and also you came in way too soon. And you know, that kind of stuff, that's all directional stuff. And it's and the crazy thing is it's more fun for you and more fun for me to audition for commercials where you just have a level yeah. of, of your first take that you come into every room with. And when you have actual intelligent questions after my explanation, asking after the explanation, because I usually say any questions, or if it's a little bit more specific to you, asking when you come into the room, of course I'm gonna answer those questions. I think that's great. Um, if you come in and, you know, let's say you, it was a big group explanation, Mm -hmm. And there's been three or four groups that have gone in since that explanation, since you came in yeah. and you come in and, you know, um, the first question in is like, where do I stand again for the, um, you know, whatever that's, I'm going to tell you of course, or whatever, yeah. but I'm just saying, I just think the biggest thing you can do is have the right mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not saying that people can't and shouldn't be looking at their phones in the lobby, but if you need a few extra minutes to read the script, 
to read not just the text, but the directions. Yeah. Um, if it says she gives him an, she gives him a look like, are you kidding me? Right. Mm -hmm. That's great to know. And you will, maybe you have read that before my explanation. Yeah. Um, maybe I didn't mention it in my explanation. Maybe I forgot, maybe I, whatever. And then you did it anyway and look at you or maybe you read that. And in my explanation, I said, guys, see right here where it says, she looks at him like, are you kidding me? The director doesn't really want that. It yeah. makes you come off too aggressive. Soften that up and just kind of give a, a, a little nod or whatever. These are all, the, it's the little tiny things that gets you called back. And I always tell everybody, it's just about <clears throat> the game isn't being funnier than everybody else because that's so daunting. I mean, I don't know how, you know, there's so many funny, talented people. The game isn't being better or whatever. The game, especially in commercial auditions, but I think in everything, make fans of the office, which is what you're trying to do is just to be a little more specific yeah. than everybody else. And your specific is different from my specific is different from everybody's specific. So, um, but making a fan of an office is the greatest thing you can do for your career across the spectrum of jobs. Because the, the people that I know that are the busiest in com the commercial world, yeah. They're not booking out of every single office in town. They're booking out of like four offices. Yeah. They just happen to be on that like, this isn't a term that's a real term, but I say like, they just happen to be like on the varsity of, of these offices, meaning they just, th this office is constantly giving them auditions. They're just fans. They like them. And I know that they're going to make them look good mm -hmm. to the ad agency and the director because they know this actor is going to come in and listen and be specific mm. and really knock it out of the park. And I hear casting directors like Ross and Alice when they're building a new schedule, meaning giving people their audition times, they'll say, oh, we need like a, you know, who was that actress that came in that we thought that got called back from McDonald's that we thought was so funny and she was on the table for it for a while. They were thinking about putting her on a bill, but then she didn't get it. We thought they were crazy. Who, who Remember that? She was so funny. She was so good. Or who was that? Oh, it was Laura. Yeah. Call Laura in for Ford. We want to see Laura in for Ford. You know, I hear that conversation every week. So um, you don't have to, you, you don't have to and won't book every job or get called back for everything, but you can get their attention and you can make fans of them. And I, I think that's the number one thing you want to try to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think yeah. building relationships with the offices and having fans internally is the best thing that you can do because that way you are auditioning way more than you're even aware of because your name is in play and your name is in conversation. Um, right. Now, I want to talk about classes because I personally have had the joy of being one of your students. And I have to say, honestly, Jonathan, it's the best money that I have spent on classes in Los <laughs> Angeles. And I like highly, highly recommend them. So you teach yeah. for Allison Horn and Ross Lacey at 200 South, commercial classes. Um, can you talk about what classes you offer what mm -hmm. you guys are covering because I mean I could talk about it but you're going to do a better job so. <laughs> <laughs> well first of all thank you very much you're very those were very nice things uh you said and um and you know when actors like you take class I think you're just talking about the mindset we were just talking about going into a room yeah. I just am immediately blown away um with respect because you're already good you're all you already know yourself and know yourself comedically which is very valuable in the commercial world and everything like that so the fact that you're taking the time 
and money to invest in taking a class to get some more tips from someone that does it day in and day out and get a little bit, you know, spend four weeks in class and one week with a Q and A and Ross and Lacey. It's just like mentally you are putting yourself easily in the 1% of the sea of people trying to book commercials because, um, <clears throat> you know, there are just so many of us. Um, so yes, uh, I, we've been teaching these classes for over four years now. Um, originally it was just out of Allison Horn and then Allison Horn and Ross Lacey decided, well, instead of just competing with one another as the two biggest offices in town, let's just join up. And so it's called the commercial class. Um, for anyone listening, um, you can go to thecommercialclass.com, one word, lowercase, um, <clears throat> and that's the website that provides all the information. We offer a class. Um, the classes are called um, intro. Then there's the advanced classes. There's there's a B. There's a, I'm sorry. There's an A, a B. We were calling it C, but C is now the name of C has been changed because it was confusing apparently to people. We're calling that improv. Okay. And occasionally, we will offer specialty classes. Like when we, we, we did a class called like, there's a, there's a, a teen class. Mm -hmm. There's a children's class that runs on the weekend. Um, and what they are is four-week classes. They're the, at least the classes for adults that your listeners probably going to want information about is they're taught at night. Usually, uh, they're one night a week. When you take a class, it's one night a week. Um, and they start at 7.30. We teach them at 200 South La Brea, which is one of the biggest commercial casting offices in town because it's a casting facility with 10 studios and they house like five, six different casting offices, companies. So <clears throat> I like it because it's like teaching class in the Staples Center, I always say. Like, it's not like the studios where you're taking class Yes. That day, someone booked a commercial in that studio. It's not, it's not a studio that doesn't actually cast commercials or whatever it is. I literally teach class, uh, and because it's a functioning, busy studio, usually every week you have to pay attention because you might have been in Studio 1 last week, but now you're in Studio 5 because guess what? They're still doing a callback late into the night or still yeah. reviewing talent or whatever. So we teach these courses. It's four weeks of classes, followed by uh, the following week, a Q&A with Ross and Allie, where you, you get to just ask any questions you want about, you know, and they're very helpful with questions specifically about the business, uh -huh. what they find attractive about actors, not meaning physically, but of course, their personality, their talent, what they bring to it. Um, <clears throat> so intro is, um, intro and improv might be self-explanatory, but intro is like, I don't have a commercial agent yet. I've never auditioned for a commercial. Um, I want to break into the commercial world or I have commercial representation, but I'm not really going out. I kind of got it by a fluke. It, you know, um, I'm occasionally getting appointments. It's just for people who are very new to the business <clears throat> or possibly have been out of the business. I've even had people in intro that are in their fifties, forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, there actually is Rob Brownstein. Who's a great guy great actor, does a lot of commercials. He teaches a 50 and over class. Okay. Yeah. So I should mention that because that's very valuable because, um, that demographic, that age group, that demographic from a casting point of view can be really tough. Mm, yes. Um, the people that are, you know, that, that, that really can get their heads around spots and come in and execute what we need them to do. Um, the, the number of people that, that can do that are a lot less than people your age, my age, whatever. Um, so, uh, but anyway, intro is, you know, what is 
a slate. How do you cheat out when you're auditioning for a commercial? Um, what does your footage look like? Um, can you look into the camera? Can you do a basic little personality interview? Things like that. Um, what is LA casting? What's an LA casting profile? Let's take a look at that. That's intro. <clears throat> the advanced classes are generally for people who are repped or have been repped. Maybe you're in between whatever. A lot of them have worked a lot commercially and theatrically. And it's, it's one of those classes. There is an A and a B and an improv. Um, I think it's confusing. They don't have to go in uh, alphabetical order. <clears throat> a works on all individual auditions. So I just try to give people, and, and normally me and the rest of the teachers, the, the teachers are all, I'd say in total, there's probably maybe six or seven of us. We are all working actors and busy session directors. So we all have the same, we're coming from that same perspective. Normally we will have run a set. Let's assume the classes, let's say the classes on a Tuesday night that month. Yeah. I'll run session all day at Allie's, have like an hour break for dinner and then come in and teach class for three hours. So even that day, I'm thinking of things like, oh, an actor will do something, or I'll get a note, and I'll say, you know what, I've got to tell my, my students that tonight. Uh, you know, so it's very, it, it's very front lines, real world, um, commercial auditioning information. It's not, we're not, I mean, I think any class, any workshop's valuable. Like I said, I respect anybody who can commit the time and the money to do it. Um, but we're not in the business of, doing a commercial auditioning class or workshop. We just, Ali and Ross give us the space and the time and the schedule of, of students based on the interest to take what we know and what we've learned and relevant scripts and say, and spend three hours. And my goal with the advanced classes is just to give you the best workout for your money because maybe things are slow for you right now. Maybe you haven't gotten into a room in a while. Well, you come into that room, you're under the real lights. There's real tape on the floor. I'm really filming you with the camera. Um, you watch your footage back. Um, the way that it normally, and so anyway, the curriculum is A, works on all individual um, scripts. The, the first night is um, sort, of, sort of a bite and smile into camera. Um, the second week is driving auditions, which a lot of people um, have trouble with. The third week is usually um, <clears throat> spokesperson copy, which, can, which obviously can be, the jobs that can change your life. Um, ask Stephanie from Progressive. Um, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, you know, but, and then the fourth week is we do a mock callback. So half the class is agency and director and producers. The other half is in the lobby coming in one at a time. And I try to create that callback atmosphere. Yeah. And I try to, I throw little tricks and secrets out to, you know, just I'll, I'll cut you in the middle of a take which is infuriating, but it's going to happen. And I try to just give you as much real world workout as I can to, to, cause I always say, I don't want anything in the classes to be for someday. I want, especially in the advanced classes, I want what we work on to be for Thursday when you're auditioning. And I hear from students all the time. Oh my gosh, we have that class. Great timing. I went in for a spokesperson role. I did this, this, and this, and that's always <clears throat> really uh, rewarding to myself and the other teachers. Um, Advanced B works on group auditions because as everyone knows, there's nothing more infuriating than going in and being like, this person sucked. Like, I don't like this person or I don't like the group of people I went in with. This person just talked all the time. And we work on how to kind of navigate that. Yeah. We also dip one week into um, 
more dramatic copy because um, that can uh, really come out of nowhere and catch us off guard. Cause you know, we're used to, <clears throat> we're used to doing scripts and, and being like, uh, you know, holding up a burger or, you know, doing, having some witty kind of improv underplaying everything. And all of a sudden you, you, you get a script and it's you and your husband and you're going on this long trip to adopt a child, to bring them back up. And it's this dramatic scene. And <clears throat> it's a, it's a, just a good workout to work on those because um, they do come along and they can, especially dramatic um, commercials or really sweet, sincere commercials. Um, they can be some of the longest runs in the business. You know, um, so we work on that. Improv is self-explanatory. I work on <clears throat> commercial improv, which ori originally we started the class because we had so many actors that were groundlings or second city people or um, uh, improv Olympic people or, um, you know, UCB that are hilarious people, funnier than I will ever be on my best day. And when they came to audition for commercials, they I would see a lot of them struggle. They didn't know how to put their, their talent into the commercial landscape. And that's what we work on. Um, we call it enhancement improv. That's the game. Um, we can't sacrifice the, the, the core of the spot for comedy. It doesn't work that way. The brand's not going to appreciate that. Uh, they wrote this spot. They got hired to do it. So how can you take it and just elevate it, you know, um, with your, with your talent, uh, with your improv talent. So, that's what we work on. But again, the goals of the class are really just to, um, is to just to give you a great workout and then hopefully get some really good information about the business and the landscape and stuff from Ross and Allie. Um, update, Allie and Ross um, have assigned us <clears throat> to um, execute the first um, online version of these classes for self-tape auditions. This actually started today as we speak. So I blasted out assignments to, I think I have, um, it does allow our classes to be a little bit bigger. I think I have like 21 students. I think Jeff's got 22. The students have the weekend to work on their assignments, get their self-tape done. There's two different things they have to self-tape. They send it to us via WeTransfer. Um, on Monday, I'm going to review the footage. On Tuesday, we're going to meet as a class, um, all of us. I'm going to talk about the concept of the spot, some general things about it. Then I will contact everyone over the course of the two days individually and work with you individually to do redirects. Quarantine thing first started, I, I did reach out to Allie in like week two and I said, is there a way that we can get on Zoom and reach out to our actors and provide the whatever? And to her credit, um, it, she was quick to say, let's just wait and see because everyone's trying to figure out what, what, what the industry's gonna look like. And yeah. we're still there, but I think that it's, it's great. And it's important that, um, that not only as a casting office, but as the commercial class that we get out there and give actors something productive to do during this time. And so if self tape things do start flooding in that you're, you're more prepared, you have a leg up on, on everybody else. And it's very different self taping for commercials versus theatrical. It's very, very different. So I think that's awesome. And I will say, as having been in your class when it was a physical class, mm -hmm. the way that you pulled back the curtain and really demystified the process, reduced stress. It was the first time that I had really, and I've been auditioning for commercials for years, but it was the first time I had really went in and enjoyed sitting in the lobby 
mm-hmm. felt like more present. <laughs> and then one time I also had a call back in like um, room eight over there at 200 South. And we'd had class in that room, but I had a call back. And so there was like a whole couch full of people and it was like nothing. And I went in and I was like my quirky self. And it was just, I think for actors, we're one of the few that are expected to go into a room we've never seen the inside of and mm-hmm. don't know who is inside that room and do our, our, our best at like a moment's notice. And yeah. I think that the classes, they don't just prepare you for going in for Ross or Allison, but it really is across the board, <laughs> rally commercials. It really, it strengthens muscles that you didn't even know you needed strengthened. So <laughs> you go in and you're like, oh, this is way better. Like I can lift more weight. This is, this is much, much better. So anyway, well, I, that is, yeah, I am very happy to hear that. That's, that's exactly the goal. I will definitely pass that along to Ross and Allie as well, because, and everyone that works in our offices, cause that's, that's the whole goal. And, yeah. um, believe me, I, as you know, teaching it, I, I am, I am a beneficiary of teaching the class as well, because I'll be in callbacks yeah. or, or worse leave callbacks. <laughs> and and think to myself, wait, did I do the thing that I always tell my students to do? No, I didn't. Um, I'm going to need to remember that, you know, so everybody, there's no like perfect. Um, there's no like actual finish yeah. line as no. creative. It's no. no. Um, yeah. The last thing we ask everybody on the podcast is mm. what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? Hmm. <laughs> Something. Um, gosh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this that doesn't like undercut everything I've said the last hour. Um, you know, it's a lot like what happened to me when I started running commercial sessions. I, like so many actors, didn't really respect as much the commercial casting process. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a million reasons to be great and, and have and do a bunch of commercials. It's more time on set. Mm-hmm. It's more it's more exposure, working colleague exposure with yeah. directors who direct all your favorite films and TV shows and stuff. The money's better than TV. Um, so I think that what I'd go back and tell my younger self is take the commercial casting process a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're one of those actors, and I'm very guilty of this, that you know when I would get an audition for, um, you know, modern family or scandal or whatever, you know, it might be a role this big, but I would just, I would, I would write a character journal about it. I'd be trying to figure out the physicality. I'd be trying to do it. Then I'd get an audition for Applebee's Mm -hmm. with this much cop, the boards this big. And I'm kind of like, well, I'll figure it out in the room. You know, you know, it's Applebee's. It's silly. Um, and I, I would go back and tell myself to just, just not vastly, not every actor has to do it. I'm not talking about a 180, just adjust your mentality going into those commercial, um, opportunities, take it a little bit more seriously, apply a little bit more of what made you want to act in the first place, put it injected into those, the, the, the scripts, because there's their commercial copy is can be some of the funniest, sharpest, smartest stuff on TV. And of course, some of it can be silly and off the wall or just bad and sentimental, but it's a mixed bag like anything else, but you know, so can television and movies. So um, I would just, I would tell my younger self to, to adjust my mentality um, quicker. Okay. 
Thank yeah. you so much for joining me today. I cannot tell you. Of I've, I've been a student before and I feel like I, I got to be a student again today and I know that it's really going to help a lot of people everything you've shared. Thank you so much. Good. Well, you know, thank you for having me. I think it's awesome that you're doing this and that you're putting it out there for everyone to kind of learn from because I think, you know, educational and maybe can be helpful and informative at the same time. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my guest today, Jonathan Runyon. If you want to learn more about the classes that Jonathan and I were talking about with Allison Horde and Ross Lacey, you can find the upcoming schedule at thecommercialclass.com. I can't recommend them highly enough. Working with Jonathan truly changed my approach to commercials, my bookings, and my career. Thanks for listening. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is What's My Frame.